This episode of An Organic Conversation is a special rebroadcast featuring some of our best episodes of the year. It is brought to you by Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive and sustainably produced French Caribbean rum, available at Trader Joe's, Whole Foods and other fine retailers. For seasonal cocktail recipes, batisterum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M dot com. In the green and environmental movement, there are many new terms that have been coined in the recent past, such as locavore, fair trade, slow food, paleo, or grass-fed. And so often we have an initial response to it, usually something like, this can't be done, or this is not for me, I could never do this. Today, we want to invite you to consider going beyond that initial response with a zero-waste lifestyle. What is zero-waste living? What's the path toward it? And how can it provide value for you? You'll find out today. Zero-waste living. Practical tips for every day. Our focus here on An Organic Conversation. Your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Helga, thank you for challenging the convention starting <laughs> off the show by naming all of these terms that we, you know, we kind of inherited by people who've whether come up with a new designation or created a new, you know, section of this of this movement. And personally, my response to these is I tend to get very excited immediately because I want to know what it means because my perception is that it's an increase in value somehow. Grass-fed, big increase in value for animal humane, the humane treatment of animals, and also for our health because there are so many more omega-3s. So zero waste, same thing. Oh my gosh, so exciting. I can lower my carbon footprint. But then the question becomes, how much work is that going to take to actually work towards a zero waste lifestyle? So I'm really excited to get back to this topic because we have a guest that we had back in November, October, November, right around the holidays. We were talking about zero waste holidays. Easily the the authority on this topic around the world. And Easily. this is all about practicality. <laughs> and that is really important because there's a spectrum. You know, we're on a continuum moving towards zero waste or as little impact as we can have in, in um, consumption. And it, I believe there are lots of things we can do that don't require a lot of time or money. Yeah, I've been in the sustainable agriculture movement for 20 years now, and I have heard farmers and ranchers say cows can't be grass-fed only, or you have to raise animals with antibiotics, it can't be done without. And yet we have learned how to do it now. And it's it is being done everywhere in organic production, and that's just one field. So we have a certain comfort zone that we get used to. And challenging that comfort zone is a tricky one. There's an initial resistance to it. And yet, to reach a new level of joy and meaning, you know, mindfulness creates progress. And progress 
always creates meaning, and meaning is value, and value is joy. So there's this, you know, if we don't challenge our lives, well, that's you don't need to, but um, inviting new ideas and new trends and new developments um, just makes it so much richer. And maybe there's a slice of it or a piece of it that is actually for you. So just staying open is just really fun. That's the fun of life. <laughs> and other people usually blast the path with that. In this case, the expert that we have on zero waste living, so we don't even have to experiment it. Other people do it for us, and then we can basically get their report and know what works and what doesn't. That's what I love about people being, you know, trailblazers and and making mistakes and figuring it out and finding new way in, innovation. You know, that's well, where innovation comes from. Well, it's leadership, actually, totally. when it comes down to it, leadership yes. and innovation. Exciting zero waste living practical tips for every day, for every one of us. That's our focus in this hour of an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with that interview with an amazing expert, actually the expert, the authority beyond the United States at this point, a reoccurring guest here from our December show, B. Johnson, the author of Zero Waste Home. That's zerowastehome.com, the website, that and so much more in just a minute when we come back. This show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And with us here in the studio again is B. Johnson, the author of Zero Waste Home, a zero waste expert, again, far beyond the United States at this point, as her book, The Zero Waste Home, will or is being translated into many different languages. B. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. It's We're so, so great to have you. We had a wonderful show with you about the holidays, how to green the holidays or make them zero waste. And um, wonderful response, really good interview. And it opened our eyes to how big the zero waste lifestyle is, or in other words, because that could, again, be a little overwhelming, how many facets or opportunities it holds for somebody to enter, so many access points. So we wanted to have you back, and there you are. Uh, how appropriate with Earth Day coming up and Earth Day kind of being a mindset for year-round conscious living. Talk it about is a time when people set intentions. You know what I mean? Like we set intentions for our life at the new year, but I feel like every totally. time Earth Day comes around, people set intentions for how to be more mindful about their there in front right. of this earth. And maybe we can help with this show to ease people or to help them enter into the zero waste lifestyle mindset. What are the, the normal barriers of entry that you are seeing when, when this conversation comes up? Well, people tend to think that this lifestyle is going to take more time and it's going to cost more and that you have to be a hippie to live this lifestyle. And it's not at all the case. 
uh, well, for one thing, uh, I don't have hair on my legs. Uh, we do not live in the boondocks. We can't uh, verify we that, but we believe you. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we also have been able to show that we can save 40% on our overall budget. As a matter of fact, when I started with this lifestyle, my husband was a little worried because we, we started this during the recession and I was uh, going to the farmer's market and the health food store, which have the reputation of costing more. And uh, he said, you know, we just can't do this. It's too expensive. And I, so I encouraged him to compare our bank statements between the zero waste lifestyle and the lifestyle before zero waste. And that's when he found that we were saving 40% on our overall spending. Um, what are the, the what, what are the key um, budget items that you found were the savings so, were most drastic? Well, where we're saving is uh, number one, we consume way, 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 way less than before. Uh, today, we're happy with just the amount of stuff we have at home. We are no longer adding to our inventory. We're just happy with the amount of things we have. Uh, if we buy something, it's only to replace something that needs to be replaced. So uh, a tennis shoe that has a hole in it, a t-shirt that is too small. Uh, and when we buy that replacement, we buy it secondhand, which by definition costs less. Uh, we also purchase our food in bulk. Uh, one needs to know that when you buy food in packaging, 15% of the price covers the cost of the packaging. So when you buy in bulk, you make an automatic 15% savings. And finally, we've replaced anything that's disposable for a reusable alternative. That means that we're no longer buying uh, paper towels, uh, trash liners, uh, tissues, uh, paper napkins, uh, plastic bags, uh, freezer bags, sandwich bags. Uh, wax paper, aluminum for I mean, the, the, the list is humongous. I can go on and on. Uh, but we've replaced all these things with reusable alternatives. So it means that our money is no longer invested in something that you throw away. So which means that our money is no longer invested in the landfill, but it's uh, invested in something that we keep on using. And that has translated into cumulative savings over time. And the landfill, of course, that's a price sticker too, right? Refuse ch charges are significant. It's a, at least a couple hundred dollars if you have three or four different bins for recycling and trash and waste and landfill and um, so you don't need those right where we live uh, trash pickup is bundled with compost pickup and recycling pickup gotcha. Uh, so we do still subscribe to a trash pickup, although we to. don't have to put anything right. in it. Yes. But we've subscribed. Our city gives us the, uh, we have a choice of three different sizes of cans. So, of course, we, uh, smallest. Well, yeah, we have the smallest one. Or we pay for the smallest. Gotcha. Yes. Well, this is a perfect segue. As you were talking about the specific disposable items that we come in contact with, particularly in the kitchen, you were listing things like wax paper and parchment paper and plastic bags and all of these things. And that is one of our favorite places to spend time in a lot of our audience we love to be in the kitchen so where can you begin in the kitchen how can you set yourself up to have a zero waste lifestyle in that area of the home yeah let's go th between you know, through the rooms and and start with kitchen i think that's wonderful well so for example in the kitchen we uh the first thing you can do and because uh, in the end zero waste is actually more what you do outside the house than what you do inside your home so it's when you consume differently that you have the chance at that time to stop waste from coming into your home later. So for example, mm. uh, when you buy your food in bulk, you're 
you're not buying packaging. So then you won't have to deal with packaging later. You won't have to throw it out. So we buy all our food in bulk and we uh, shop with a shopping kit. The shopping kit is uh, made of uh, totes. So we have three totes, no need for 100 different <laughs> reusable bags. Uh, in our home, we just have three. And then uh, we have cloth bags that we use to purchase uh, anything that's dry, uh, flour, sugar, cereal. Then we bring jars for anything that's wet. So that's fish, meat, deli, cheese, uh, grated cheese, olive oil, uh, peanut butter, stuff like that. Then we have uh, mesh bags. They're actually the intimate uh, laundry bags. Talk more about the, the oil. What, what, what kind of containers is that for wet? What did you say? Jars. We oh, bring gotcha. like actually their canning, their Glass French canning jars. Uh -huh. uh, like we use Le Parfait. It's just like because it has a clip uh, so it's, uh, it's like one big, piece yeah exactly uh, the, I found that the American jars because they have three the mason jars have three mm -hmm. different pieces I don't Personally, I don't like those because it's too complicated. Yours has like a big glass lid that you can, with a metal snap clip, on. Exactly. Snap on. So yeah, it's nice. one piece. So uh -huh. then when I wash it, I throw the whole thing in the dishwasher. There is nothing to be taken apart. And the pieces are also interchangeable. So if one jar breaks, then I can use the same top gotcha. on another one. Sure. In our tote, we also have mesh bags. So they're actually intimate laundry bags that we use for produce. And then we bring a pillowcase for uh, bread. Uh, so if we buy baguette, they put it straight into the pillowcase. And we buy our milk. Uh, the, well, the brand that we buy is in a returnable jar. So we just take it back. So when you go to the store and you buy those, when you bring your containers, do you first go to the cash register and have them be measured for the for the tear weight? Or, you mean, or yeah. do you is it marked at the bottom and you know what it is? So I only have three different types of jars. Again, this lifestyle is about living simply, really. Uh, sticking to the essentials. So I don't have a hundred different types of <laughs> jars and different types of uh, weights or tears. Sure. So I have three types, so I know exactly what their tear is. So when I go to the cashier, I just write it on the, I mean, it's written on a jar. Uh, I, or I write it with a little um, a crayon, a washable crayon. I use the same crayon to write the bulk item number on my cloth bags. But if I purchase food at the counter, uh, the cheese, meat, deli, uh, fish, then I simply present the jar at the counter and the staff puts the, the, the item straight into the jar and they put the they tear the jar themselves and they put the price label on it. So then the cash all the cashier has to do is just scan it. And there's no problem with hygiene, like that they say we can't take on. I've heard that once where I brought, I think I brought a container of sorts, and they said we ha we have to use ours, we can't use yours, which I think is Sorry, I'm laughing silly, at this because this is something I hear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's easier for the staff to say, oh, sorry, it's against uh, health and safety regulations, so that you just go away, right? Uh, it's much easier for them to make you go away than figure out how to work their scale and figure out how to eliminate the the, the weight. Um, funnily, there was actually a store where I had been shopping for three years. I would go not every week, but I would go once a month because they had a little bit more bulk than my uh, local store. And once I showed up at the daily counter and I saw I was new, uh, a new person behind the counter and I asked her, can you please give me a pound of ham in my jar? And she said, Oh, no, sorry, it's against health and safety regulations. I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys have been filling my jar for the past three years. She said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's against the, the rules. Like, can you please ask your manager? She's like, okay. She asked her manager. She comes back. She said, okay, I can feel it. She filled the jar. I come back a month later. 
same person behind the counter. I thought, oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, but I asked her, can you please put a pound of turkey in my jar, please? And she said, no, I'm sorry. It's against health and safety regulations. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? You told me the same thing last month. I sent you to your manager. You came back, you feel it. She said, well, I'm sorry. It's against health and safety regulations. And I asked her, can you please go ask your manager? She said, okay. She asked her manager. She came back. She said, okay, I'll feel it. But imagine the person going for the first time, mm. going there and like finally deciding, okay, today I'm going to have balls and I'm going to go to the counter and I'm going to ask them to fill my jar. And if the staff tells, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that for you, then the person is like, well, my store doesn't do it. And that's what I hear all the time. People mm. tell me, oh, it's against health and safety regulations at my store. It is not. Your store will do it. They just either don't know the rules or they are just lazy to figure out the tear, uh, how to eliminate the tear. So do you know it's, it's not against the rules? Like is that? Yeah. So the FDA rules say that uh, you're not allowed to or the a store is not allowed to um, uh, refill their own takeout container. So let's say you buy a salad from the, the their salad bar or yeah. the, the, the counter. You can't hand it back they, and say, exactly. want some more. I've eaten it, thanks, it was good. I actually want more. They're not allowed to do that. There is nothing in the FDA rules that says that they're not allowed to refill a clean container that comes from someone's house. And that's mm. why we have you in the studio. That's B. Johnson, <laughs> the author of Zero Waste Home and obviously an expert on zero waste living and you've been through hell and back to create this and <laughs> <laughs> studied all this and I think we are not done with kitchen quite yet, well, right? Well, you know, there are a couple items that you mentioned that I think are things people buy quite a lot of. Parchment paper being one so they can line their pans and paper towels so that they can clean up spills. Now, certainly we could clean up with, with regular towels, but then you've got all these damp, messy towels laying around. And so how do you work that out? Okay, so people tend to think that when you replace paper towels with rags, you're using the rags as you would a paper towel. When we we use the rag, we rinse it. I mean, we use it kind of like a sponge. We don't just simply use it once and then put it in the wash. A lot of people think that we're using, we're consuming more water and more energy. They think that we wash more somehow. It's not the case because we're not using rags as we would a disposable product. Uh, we actually, just as a side note, we uh, we uh, consume a quarter of the county's average. Water. We, yeah, as uh -huh. far as water uh -huh. and half the electricity than the average uh, consumer does in, uh, in the county where we live. So uh, we've been able to prove that this lifestyle doesn't mean that you're going to be using more water or energy. It's just that you're using those reusable products in a different way uh, than you would disposables. And in general, I would think that you become more mindful of your practices. I believe if you follow a conscious effort to be towards zero waste, you turn maybe the, the light off a little bit quicker yeah, or exactly. you don't so leave the gas on or what whatever. I, what know? actually brought us to zero waste was reading books, watching documentaries about the right. environment, and they made us really sad thinking about the future that we're going to leave behind for our kids. And that's what gave us the impetus to change our consumptions uh, or our consumption. But our consumption at that point was not, we were not just thinking about reducing our waste, we looked at our energy consumption, our water consumption. Of course, we paid attention to all these things, but somehow we got even, uh, we pushed the waste aspect even further. Before we move further through the house, um, what about food scraps and we, of course, have a compost, so we do compost, but we've been able to even reduce our compost output by simply thinking twice if something is true, does 
or truly needs to be peeled or not. Uh, so that came from decluttering my, la my life. One day I looked at my vegetable peeler and I asked myself, really, do I need a vegetable peeler? My mom doesn't have a vegetable peeler, so I probably don't need one. So I donated my vegetable peeler. And why am I telling you that now? It's because it has actually, uh, it's had a great impact on our compost output. We compost way, way less than we used to before because today uh, I don't have a, veg a vegetable peeler, so peeling is more manual it takes more effort so i think twice about peeling anything uh so we only truly compost what really needs to be peeled <laughs> so you you wash the vegetables whatever most of the time there's still some form of soil in it or or uh, which is actually healthy right all the minerals are in the skin to begin with the skin is often the exactly so of not the only our compost output has been <laughs> lessened but it's also we can take advantage of the vitamins that are enclosed in the peels of fruits and vegetables amazing this is an organic conversation i'm helge helber and i'm sitarani palomar and we are tackling the zero waste lifestyle zero waste living practical tips for every day And for all of us here in this hour of an organic conversation, uh, should we take a quick break? Let's and then do it. Go to the next Sounds room. Perfect. What's the next room? The next room is the bathroom. The next room is the bathroom. Stay tuned for so much more. And a thank you to our underwriters. This show is brought to you by Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive rum of the Caribbean. Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information: batisterum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M dot com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And our focus in this hour here in this week is zero waste living. Practical tips for every day with no other than B. Johnson, the author of this whole lifestyle, the author of Zero Waste Home. That's zerowastehome.com, the website. We, we were just finishing up kitchen, but not quite. We were, yes. Before we move on to another room of the house, there's one important thing because you're talking about part of what makes this lifestyle possible is the ability to buy food in bulk. But another thing you had said is a lot of times when you're traveling around the world, one thing you encounter from a lot of people is that they don't have bulk where they live, so they could never attempt this lifestyle. But you're saying that's not actually true. Yeah, I mean, people always tell me, well, I can do zero waste. I, uh, I live in uh, Japan and there is no bulk in Japan. I uh, was in Japan last week and I took hundreds of pictures of bulk. Uh, people tend to think that bulk is not near them, but when you adopt a zero-waste lifestyle, you acquire a vision for unpackaged goods. And unpackaged goods are not just uh, the bulk aisles that you have in your health food store. It's anything that's unpackaged. So uh, the farmer's market is a great way to find unpackaged produce. And uh, it's also your local producer. It's uh, the, the, the local store, the uh, 
the, the local baker, the local butcher. Um, so uh, don't go thinking that there is no bulk near you. Bulk is everywhere. It's actually the reason why I created an, uh, the app Bulk to help people locate uh, bulk locations near them. So check it out. <laughs> Yes, we will. And so you're you're saying that you can make multiple stops. I mean, if you're just used to going to the grocery store for everything, then think beyond that. You can go to the local fromagerie, for example, and get cheese that's not been wrapped in plastic. Well, it's also up to everyone to figure out a system that works for them and go really uh, back to their basics. So I made the mistake when I started to try to find... Uh, Oreo cookies in bulk because we were used to buying, for example, that brand of uh, cookies and uh, a package. So then when I moved to a zero-waste lifestyle, I made a mistake of trying to find the products that I was used to buying packaged, uh, trying to find them in bulk. But that was a big mistake. What you're supposed to do is actually rather embrace what's available to you, mm. the bulk that is available in your local store, but uh, also local producers. Mm-hmm. And usually, in my experience, when you talk about the local butcher in the local cheese shop, which is how I grew up in the mm-hmm. 70s and, and 80s. In the 70s, as a little boy following my mom, the quality is much more direct. You're actually dealing with the butcher and you're actually dealing with the baker who actually baked that bread. It wasn't baked you know, two hours from where you were and then shipped the night before and all that. They actually made it a yard, you know, two, 10 feet behind him in that oven. So between flavor and freshness and relationships, uh, it's you, definitely you get a, more a way also, better product. It's definitely a more human way of shopping also because yes. you have to have a, a, a conversation with the person behind the counter or at the store. And uh, the ones that we deal with, like, know, you know, my name, the kid's name, and we know each other. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, much more human to mm. shop this way. Wonderful. Mm. Okay, well, let's get into another room of the house. And this one I'm particularly interested in hearing what you have to say. That's the bathroom. And it's because there. this is a place we accumulate a lot of things, a lot of sample size shampoos and lotions and toothpaste tubes and all of these things that do add up. So so how do you tackle how do you tackle this room? What are some ways to reduce the number of disposables that you bring into your bathroom? Well, again, the easiest thing to start with is to go to your basics. So instead of trying to find an alternative for all the... Uh, uh, all the different products that you seldom use, then really c- concentrate on the ones that are very important to you. So in my case, for example, I, I, I found a way to wash my hair without buying a plastic bottle of shampoo. Uh, we wash ourselves from head to toe simply with a, a bar of soap that we buy uh, loose. It's sold unpackaged. And we use it to uh, wash our hair, face, body, and also my husband and now teenager, uh, use it to uh, shave. So uh, it's actually a perfect example to show that this lifestyle doesn't cost more, but actually costs less and doesn't take more time. It takes less time because we no longer have to go to the store to buy those things. We no longer have to put them in our car. We don't have to store them. We don't have to recycle them eventually. So uh, it's just one item that is multifunctional and has eliminated four others. And did you find that there was a sacrifice in kind of end result when you did that? Like... My concern with shaving with soap, for example, would be that it dries out my skin and then my skin just doesn't look as nice or feel as nice if I were using well, soap instead of something that's more fatty. There is also definitely a time of um, adjustment. Uh, for example, we use baking soda in a lieu of toothpaste, uh, but we didn't go to straight to baking soda from toothpaste. We first went to a tooth powder, which was uh, made of uh, mixing a baking powder 
powder, uh, uh, sorry, baking soda and stevia. And the stevia powder would be, or the sweetness of the stevia would basically cut the saltiness of the baking soda. And then little by little, I eliminated the stevia. So today we just brush with uh, baking soda, straight baking soda. But you're you know, used it to took, it now. Exactly. So it took a time of adjustment. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, uh, you can't do this from uh, one day to the next. It cracks me up when people tell me, oh, I'm going to do a 30-day zero-waste challenge. I'm like, well, good luck with that because you're not really then, you, you might not be embracing things that you want to stick to for the long run. All the alternatives that my family has adopted are things that we can see ourselves doing for life. Mm. And the ones that we dropped are the ones that were too time consuming, that were costing too much uh, because they were not sustainable for mm. our family in the long run. So you don't want to go from zero to zero waste, you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> We're with you in the studio, joined by B. Johnson, the expert on zero waste living. That's zero waste living, practical tips for every day. Our main focus in this hour, I'm Helga Hilberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And more information, of course, on B's website, zerowastehome.com. That's also the name of the book which we will cover in just a couple of minutes because it's now being translated into other languages as well as this movement is spreading far beyond California, hippy-dippy California. You don't need to be a hippie, as you said. It's not a requirement for a zero-waste lifestyle and even into other countries. But yes, bathroom. I, I think we've covered that. Unless you have any other great tips. Removing and wearing makeup? I mean, there's a lot of packaging in that as well. Well, so I am a girly girl and that's one of the things, for example, that I personally was not going to drop. Some people might tell me, well, I don't need makeup. So, you know, why do you give me a recipe for eye makeup in your book? I'm like, Because it was important to me mm. and for those that want to try it. You know, give it a try. So in, in the case of my <coughs> eye makeup, for example, it's simply made with uh, al- burnt almonds to which I add a little bit of cooking oil and it's applied with a coal uh, applicator. It's the way they, uh, they do it in the Middle East. And uh, for my mascara, it's the same thing. It's like four ingredients that are edible. I don't have to worry anymore about toxic ingredients affecting my health because I know exactly what's in my makeup. What I have, for example, on my cheeks is cocoa powder that I purchase in bulk from the bulk aisle of the uh, the health food store. It's an or- organic brand of cocoa powder. It cost me 72 cents to fill the tiny little jar in, you know, in which I have the cocoa powder. There is no way that I could match that price if I was buying, uh, you know, blush from, uh, especially organic brush from a, a bl- sorry, organic blush from a, a local uh, store. That's fantastic. And we just had a couple of episodes that you know, the entire idea of the toxicity of cosmetic and body care products is really on people's minds now more and more. Um, it's a fairly unregulated industry, and the regulations that are there have been around for you know decades and decades. So th- there are really concerning ingredients, cancer-causing ingredients incorporated into our body care, and that's what we put onto our bodies and onto our skin, which is the largest organ. So if you want to learn more about that, go to anorganicconversation.com yeah, and, and check out previous episodes. Uh, what's interesting is that people tend to think, because the you know the marketers are telling us that, I, mean, I think they've made our society germophobic, and uh, people, I think, would be afraid of making their makeup. They'd be afraid of having like skin problems, mm-hmm 
mm-hmm. or, uh, but in our case, uh, or at least in mine, my husband doesn't wear mascara, but mm-hmm. I do. But uh, when I used to buy mascara from the store, I would get uh, conjunctivitis about twice a year. And since I started making my own, I haven't had it at all. Yeah, uh, and you're glowing. It hasn't ruined you yet. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but does it spoil quickly because it doesn't have no. no. So people also tend to think that I spend my days making things. It's not the case. The only thing I really make uh, or I home make is uh, my cosmetics and I only make them like once every other year or something. Uh, so for example, the mascara I have on, I made it like three years ago. You're kidding. Uh, the black on my eyes, I think I made a new one just like uh, three months ago, but the time before that was like two years earlier. So, And how do you store it so it stays? So the thing is, you know, the, the mascara is a cake mascara. So it's not wet. And that's why you don't have bacteria mm. that is developing in there. So you wet your... I have a uh, mascara wand mm-hmm. that I wet and then I scrub it on onto the cake mascara and then apply it. That sounds like a lot of fun. I know what I'm doing <laughs> this weekend. The women in the studio are in awe <laughs> and speechless. <laughs> well, let's get let's get to another area of the home. And one place where I tend to worry about waste a lot is when I do laundry. And in part of the part of that is because of water. Water waste is a really big concern of mine and energy. And you know, I don't. I you know, doing loads that are the same color, you may not need to do a very big load. So I'm sure you've got some great tips for this area of the house. Well, so in our home, uh, for one thing, for the detergent itself, uh, I tested a lot of them. I was home making my own. And that's the reason why I put uh, a recipe for homemade uh, laundry detergent in the book, because it's it's one of those items that is really difficult to find in bulk. I found one in bulk, so I no longer make mine. Mm. I'd rather buy it in bulk. I only make what I cannot find in bulk. And mm. it's very few things. Like I said, it's uh, mainly cosmetics. So it's a healthier alternative of course to the ones that you'd buy in the store or in a packaged and uh, as far as the laundry you know we live a minimalist lifestyle and people tend to think that the less clothes you have the more I mean you're wearing it all the time so you do more laundry it's not the case I mean my kids uh, when they were little and they had much more clothes than they have today if they lost a sock under the couch or if they uh, got a little water on their t-shirt they would throw it in a laundry. And at the end of the week, I had a ton of laundry to do. Today, they have uh, seven shirts, four bottoms, uh, you know, just the right amount for one week. But they've learned how to manage their wardrobe. So that means that they know that if they spill water on their T-shirt, they better let it dry because otherwise they won't be able to finish the week. (laughs) Uh, So that, to me, having less clothes and knowing, I mean, managing your clothes is a, is a, a big tip on how to reduce your water consumption. So we do about uh, four washes in our home. Well, it's like well, we do about two to three darks a week and then one uh, for white. It's so interesting the the notion that you're bringing up that, yes, of course, people think, oh, my God, it's one more thing I need to learn about now and, and adopt to my already busy lifestyle. If I want to do zero waste, it's more time, more expensive, and it's something completely new that is added to what is. But what what you're saying over and over again is that there's this curve of the more you have, the more time it will take to maintain. Exactly. So if you think about the opposite, it's what, what I always say is what you do not have will need to be 
purchased. I mean, obviously, it doesn't need to be purchased. It doesn't need to be maintained, repaired, uh, stored, and eventually discarded. So that's really that's why the zero waste lifestyle is really based on five rules. And uh, number one is to refuse what you do not need. So it's saying no to the things that are given to you because in this consumerist society, we're the targets of many promotional goods. But every time we accept them, not only are we creating a demand to make more, we're also cluttering our space. And then when these things break, they become a problem and they have to go into a trash can. So uh, the second rule is to reduce what we do need. So that's really adopting a, a lifestyle of voluntary simplicity, the minimalist lifestyle. And that's also what allows you to put back on the market very valuable resources. When you declutter your home, you're putting back uh, stuff that is that is in itself uh, valuable resources for others to have access to it. Uh, then the third rule is to reuse. So we reuse by buying secondhand when we do need to buy something and by having swapped anything that's disposable for a reusable alternative, which includes buying uh, in bulk. Uh, then we uh, recycle only what we cannot refuse, reduce, or reuse. So the zero-waste lifestyle does not mean recycling more. It actually means recycling less thanks to waste prevention, the first three rules. And then finally, we rot, that is compost the rest. So we compost, like we mentioned, uh, fruits, uh, I mean, uh, uh, peels of fruits and veggies that need to be peeled, but also uh, butter wrappers, because that's the only food that we purchase uh, packaged. Mm. We also uh, compost uh, floor sweepings or uh, dryer lint. So say those five again, as a, just as a list. Yeah, so it's a refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, rot, in order. The most important part of all this is in order. In order of rotting. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Again, still with us is B. Johnson here on An Organic Conversation, an entire hour on the zero waste lifestyle, zero waste living, practical tips for every day. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitrani Palomar. And the website is zerowastehome.com. I don't think we're quite done yet moving on from laundry, right? Well, there's one other place where a lot of waste tends to accumulate, and that's the office. And in general, it's a lot of paper products and envelopes and ink pens and all kinds of things. And I think it's also a place where it's somewhat easy to justify having more consumption because it's our, our business. It's what facilitates the facilitates our lives in a lot of ways. So this this is a I think a huge opportunity for people to change their perspective. So what are your what are your tips on how to reduce in your office? Number one, stop junk mail. Uh, and I give the tips on how to do that in the book. From coming. Right? Yeah, from yeah. coming into uh -huh. your yes. home. Uh, because again, uh, if we don't act against junk mail, more junk mail will be sent out to us. If we simply throw it from the uh, from the uh, mailbox into the recycling can, it's a way for us to say, love junk mail, please send me more, and more will be sent out to us. So whereas when you attack junk mail, you're stopping the demand for, uh, for junk mail. So first, take the steps to eliminate that. And uh, yeah, in the US, it's much harder to do than it is in Europe, mm -hmm. but we've been able to do it. Uh, we no longer receive junk mail. And I can tell you how good it feels when I open my mailbox and it's empty. Because <laughs> uh, then, you know, I... Th that junk mail won't be cluttering my space either and then I won't have to deal with it and recycle it etc um, as far as disposables I think in an office generally people have staples uh um, they have uh, pens and uh, I'm trying to think all the, of all the things I used to buy. Um, <laughs> we no longer, for example, oh, we have a scotch tape also. Uh, we no longer buy scotch tape. We no longer buy uh, staples. Uh, staples you can easily replace with um, uh, paper clips. 
tape, uh, we we found that if we do need to send something out, we have paper tape, which you know just has either it's a, a self adhesive uh, or you can simply wet it uh, to make it stick. It's just a you know the way that our grandparents used to do mm. it. And then as far as pens, uh, I prefer actually pencils because then I can erase and reuse the paper. Mm. Um, and then uh, if we do need a pen, for example, when I uh, when I sign books, uh, I use a refillable uh, fountain pen. So it's a uh, it's a vintage fountain pen that I purchased on uh, eBay. And uh, when you buy on eBay, please click on the left hand side of the column, the used or second hand option. And then when something is sent out to us, request that it only be sent to you in paper or cardboard because that's more recyclable, obviously, than uh, bubble wrap. So then we have a bottled ink that we simply use to refill those pens. Talk a little bit about your book. When you walked in before we even started the show, you said that it's now being translated into German. Well, I mean, soon, yeah, it will be in uh, eight different uh, languages. So uh, it is already in Korean. It's gonna, it's being translated to Japanese, uh, Spanish, and uh, and German. Yes, <laughs> I'm really excited about that. What is? I mean, there must be a reason. The publisher must know there is enough of a movement. What's your experience with how this is being adopted, both in the U.S. as well as worldwide? Well, I can see actually that there is a, a, a really a true growing interest, uh, especially in Europe. I can see from the demands for my book translations or even with the amount of the amount of people that show up at my speeches in Europe. It's it's just incredible. Uh, when I say I'm going to be in a town like 700 people will show up at my speeches. It shows that there is a true interest for this. And I think it's because Europeans are not so afraid of living simply. They already have an appreciation for those things. Thanks to the book and the blog, we've been able to launch a, uh, a movement. Today, there are thousands and thousands of people throughout the world that have adopted this lifestyle and some of them have even gone further and even uh, even open zero stores unpacaged stores and uh, I mean I get messages from all over the world uh, on a daily basis from uh, people in uh, Australia Quebec Switzerland Germany France As a matter of fact, the first uh, unpackaged store that was open in Germany was uh, Unverpackt Kiel, and it's this uh, French woman that read my book and decided, okay, I'm I'm going, I'm I'm doing this. I'm gonna embark on the zero waste lifestyle, and I'm I'm taking it even further, and I'm gonna open an unpackaged store. And thanks to her uh, store, she's been able to inspire lots of. Other uh, German entrepreneurs to open zero waste stores. So that's how you know the movement is uh, growing and spreading. Wonderful, and that is the zero waste lifestyle, zero waste living, practical tips for every day. Our focus in this hour on an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and I'm Sitarani Palomar. And with us was B. Johnson, the author of that very book that started all this zero waste home. Also, the website zerowastehome.com joining us here today. Thank you, B, for coming in. So inspiring. <laughs> I love being here, you guys. Appreciate you coming back and sharing more. Yeah, thanks so much. Yes, it's not more expensive. It actually saves money. It saves time. And, and the best advantage of this lifestyle is that it makes your, li your, your life <laughs> is then based on being instead of having. And mm. to me, that is the best aspect of this lifestyle. Yes. Words to live by. That's it. Thanks for coming Thank in. Thank you, B. Thanks. From the zero waste lifestyle, actually not from, but we're staying with that, to zero packaging produce, of course. He is 
the weekly tip from the produce dog. Here is what's in season. And with us now is the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick, if we do have him. Earl, are you there? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got me. How y'all doing? <laughs> Hi there. Every week we are talking about the hottest item in, in produce, how to buy it, what to look for, flavor nuances, how to store it. Maybe not so this week. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, not this week. You've, you've heard enough of me. <laughs> Never. We had some, we had some, <laughs> We've had some pretty exciting things happening, and I'm, I'm going to turn this over to Kat Bining, who is uh, going to tell you all about it. Hold on to your horse. What's her role with Earl's Organic? Well, she is recently HR and sustainability manager. She's oh. been with us for about four years. Cool. Enough said. I'm going to let you talk. Kat Vining, thank you. Kat Vining. Hi there. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. Welcome you? to the show. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. It's good to have you on. We've known you all of these years that you've been at Earl's, and this is the first time we're having you on to celebrate your great pioneering achievements for Earl's Organic. I mean, you originated this role of sustainability manager, and you guys have taken it really far. What's new over there? Well, a lot of things. Um, we've had some really exciting developments this year. Um, namely, we became a certified green business in the city of San Francisco. What does that exactly entail? I mean, there are so many eco-seals. In this case, you really, you guys had to really show up and make some commitments, right? What does that entail to be a certified green produce business in this case? So we actually started the process back in November 2014 and finished our certification in October last year. So it took us almost an entire year to meet all the requirements. Wow. It's a huge list of requirements, things in the areas of waste, water, energy, pollution prevention, Some of our major accomplishments, we went through our entire inventory of industrial chemicals and cleaning products and found environmental-friendly uh, alternatives to everything that we have. We put aerators on our faucets, which reduced the flow of water, so whereby reducing our overall water consumption. Uh, we developed uh, more comprehensive commuter benefits for our employees, so they have incentives not only to take uh, public transportation, but also incentive to bike. We have, we rolled out a comprehensive waste management program, figuring out some ways to, uh, some more ways to reduce our waste to landfill. So for example, uh, one of our major landfill streams was our gloves, our disposable gloves that we use for our food safety program. And we actually found a way to recycle those. So now with all of our efforts, we're, we're up at about 97% diversion rate, meaning that only 3% of the waste that we actually produce is going to landfill and the rest is either going to compost or recycling. Wow. And you're bringing up a good point. There's food safety. You're dealing with, uh, you know, with produce every day. So as a food item, you don't have to, you do have to juggle uh, the, the food safety aspects and your desire to be a leading green business. That's, I'm sure, not an easy task um, that, that you were able to do. And it's something that will continue to unfold and continue to develop. Things like water use uh, is really difficult in food safety for food safety purposes. You know, things like energy use, we have to keep our coolers up to certain temperatures. Um, so there's lots of, of barriers, but also, also lots of opportunities. 
for a business like Earl's, been around for over 30 years, a leader in the organic industry, totally committed to organic only or, or solely focused on organic produce. You don't deal with conventional, so-called conventional produce. And why, why this extra step? Why, be, why go beyond what you already are doing as a leader in the industry, dealing with only small farms as locally as possible based on the season and only organic produce? Why go that far, the, the extra 10 miles? I think, yes. So we could do all of these things on our own without being a member of this green business program. But I think our participation really represents us being a part of something larger than ourselves. So our operation has a huge impact in and of itself, but we are only one operation in this city, on this planet, and being a part of this is, is again, really being part of something larger than ourselves. Common climate science says that we need to reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere from uh, down to 350 parts per million. Now we're way up over 400 parts per million. This isn't something that we can sit by and, and work passively towards anymore. This year was the warmest year on record. The year before that was the warmest year on record. And so we're not going to do this alone. And, you know, it's for this reason that Earl participates in other organizations like the Sustainable Food Trade Association. And we love collaborating with peer organizations whenever possible. Um, we really believe that by supporting each other and learning from each other and sharing high-impact practices, we can collectively increase our net impact beyond just what we ourselves are capable of. Cool. Well, ultimately, it's it's about leadership. I mean, that's what you're doing is you guys are taking a stand. You are setting you are setting a bar really high. You're saying this is where we're willing to participate and always to challenge our own ability to go further. And this is the perfect time to do it. I mean, some people, it's, it's no longer just Earth Day, it's Earth Month, and hopefully it's Earth Lifetime. But what you are doing is creating creating a trail for other people to follow. And I think that it's, it's very inspiring. And it's not the only thing that you guys are doing in celebrating. I know there have been a lot of other initiatives. Is there anything else you can share with us about what's cutting edge and sustainability for Earl's Organic? Well, uh, we recently hosted the press conference, the launch of San Francisco's Clean Power SF. It's their community choice aggregation program, which allows businesses and residents access to 100% renewably powered. Girls was actually the first to sign up for the program over two years ago, and they finally launched last month. So in the next few months, we will be 100% renewably powered. All of our operations um, will come from renewable energy. We had really exciting developments um, last year where we actually reduced our overall energy consumption by over 40%. Really? So, yeah. That's um, saying something with the amount of cooling that you guys need to do in order to keep all of those produce items so super fresh. It's huge. We operate a 33,000 square foot warehouse with four refrigerated coolers. I mean, 40% represents a huge amount of wow. electricity. Well, congratulations and thank you for being a pioneer. It really is inspiring. It's it's a it's a nod that everybody can be doing something even bigger. And we just had a show, um, Kat, that's Kat Vining, the sustainability manager at Earl's Organic, going the extra 10 miles in their business far beyond just, quote unquote, dealing with organic produce every day and solely with organic produce. But Kat, we just had a show uh, in focus of Earth Day coming up in just a few weeks on the zero waste lifestyle and 
we still will need to purchase items, of course. It doesn't mean zero consumption of some sort. And it's just wonderful to know that there are more and more businesses taking on the responsibility to go beyond product uh, into packaging, into methods, into uh, procedures to to be a leader really as a as an overall business and, and not, again, just with just, quote unquote, with their product. So this is perfectly aligned with our overall consciousness for this planet. Thank you for everything that you and Earl's Organic are doing in that regard. Really wonderful to have you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. That's Kat Vining again, Sustainability Manager of Earl's Organic. Good luck and give us a new update in a few months. Will do. Thanks so much. Thanks, (laughs) Kat. Cool. Thanks, Kat. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that is celebrated here on An Organic Conversation leadership on every level thank you for listening to an organic conversation every week and we'll be back with another episode soon i'm helga hilberg and i'm sitarani palomar take good care bye an organic conversation is a proud production of the organic media network associate producer Kristen ponger the show is made possible through the fantastic support of our underwriters Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or the culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. Thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family owned and operated dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines award-winning wines at frywine.com that's f r e y w i n e.com and batiste rum the first eco-positive rum of the caribbean Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information at BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. For more episodes and our podcasts, Go to anorganicconversation.com and of course you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. Our Twitter handle is talkorganic and we're also on Instagram. I'm Helge Helberg, host and executive producer of An Organic Conversation. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening.